Greetings, Amigops, and Top Tenners everywhere. This is Mike from Top Ten with Kyle and Mike. This week, as every week, I'm joined by our lovely bespectacled co-host, Kyle. Kyle and I are going to be discussing a Top Ten topic this week. I actually know what the topic is. I'll let Kyle tell you what it is. But we're going to discuss this topic. We're going to debate it vigorously. And by the end of tonight's episode, somewhere between 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe an hour and a half. I don't know. We'll see. We will have a definitive top 10 list. So, Kyle, what are we talking about? All right, Mike, as you said, you know the topic. It is time for our second installment of what is now a, an annual event. Tonight we are doing and hosting the 2019 Topskers for the year of 2018. Now, for those of you who are not with us last year for this very special event... The two thousand the Oscars the the Topskers <laughs> are an event where we honor all of the movies from a given year that were not honored in any way at the actual Oscars ceremonies. So we are gonna rank the top ten movies from two thousand eighteen that received zero Oscar nominations. So Kyle, does it have to be nominated for one of the major award categories? I'm glad you asked that, Mike. The answer is no. If a movie is nominated for any Oscar whatsoever, including something relatively minor, like sound editing... Even those Oscars that they're no longer going to be showing during the actual Oscars? Yeah, e even those. Which, by the way, I'm not that bothered by it. Um, movie people are very bothered by it. Alfonso Cuaron was like, w tweeted out something about how you don't have movies without cinematography, which is a good point. Listen, if I were involved in the ceremonies in any in any way whatsoever officially yeah. i'd be pissed off as someone that's not gonna watch the oscars probably it doesn't really bother me yeah that's a reasonable stance to take so some movies that were nominated for oscars that you might not think of as oscar worthy material that won't be making this list movies like a quiet place which was nominated for sound editing yeah that's a great Movie nomination Oh, yeah. Deserved. Movies like Solo, Infinity War, Ready Player One, Christopher Robin, all nominated for effects. Movies like I Love Dogs and Incredibles 2, which are up for Best Animated Picture. Mm -hmm. And some relatively popular movies like Black Panther and Klansman, Black Klansman, that were actually nominated for Best Picture. So none of yep. those movies will appear on this list. Yep. Movies like Roma... The favorite, those movies that you haven't heard much about, you know, stuff like that, will not be on the list. Precisely. <laughs> so, with that being said, and well, like we did last year, I'm going to do the same thing this year. For each movie, I'm going to give out an award, the Oscar category that I think it had the best chance of actually being nominated for. Yeah. And I'm going to give out each of those awards only once. Yes, I, I forgot about that feature. I like that a lot. That's actually a really fun feature because it forces you to consider these head-to-head. -head. Yeah, exactly. So those are the, those are the rules. Uh, yeah. So we can just go on and get started if you're ready. I think I am ready. I just want to reflect very briefly on this. I think I might be mistaken in saying this, but I think this is our first repeat episode. This is our first time doing the second annual of something. Is that right? It's certainly the second time we've done an annual podcast. Like, we've done two episodes of the If You Liked, or... Yeah. Like but this is the first time we've had, like, a, a... This is our, hey, we're coming back around, right? This is our... 
that feels yeah. pretty cool. I th- I'm kind of excited by this. I don't mind taking a second to reflect on the fact that we've been doing this for a little over a year now, and we're getting to the point where we're doing the same thing twice, and not just because we're running out of ideas, only partially because of that. I... I, I think it's fair to take a second and kind of lather up in that a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I think if you had asked me when we started if we would do this for a year, I would have said, yeah. But it is extremely gratifying to find that <laughs> about a, a year, a little over a year later, I haven't lost any enthusiasm for it. If anything, I'm maybe more excited about it now that I know yeah. like what we can do and what we want it to be. So, yeah, congratulations to you, buddy. Yeah, congrats, bud. I think uh, I look forward to, like you said, what we can do. I think what we've done is good, and I've really enjoyed it, but I think that there's there's a lot more road to hoe for us. Like, I think there's some good stuff we can do, um, especially as we, we kind of think about the people in our lives. I think I think that the, uh, the crowdsourced Best Albums of 2018 list was a really good reflection on what our friends and network, you know, loosely have to offer. There's a lot of interesting people that we associate with who have a lot of interesting things to say. And I think the two of us have become the two with, you know, the audio platform. But we're not the most interesting by a wide stretch. But we have access to a lot of interesting people who we can kind of present. So I, I that's what I'm really excited about. Absolutely. I don't I think it'd be appropriate to say that pretty soon here, maybe a month or so. We're going to do our very first episode with a professional who neither of us knows it is going to yeah. come on this podcast and teach us something. So that's a big, that'll be fun. Yeah, that's really exciting. I do think that's somewhere we want to go. Um, so if you're listening, Tom Brady or Alex Guerrero, if you want to talk about the TB12 method, we think it's a little bit kooky, but we're happy to listen. Whoever, yeah. <laughs> if someone for some reason is... It, is listening to this and thinks that they have something to teach our listenership hit us up yeah seriously top 10 km all right that was fun yeah. let's get into this now mm-hmm. number 10 is a film that i was almost literally dragged to <laughs> so uh it's around halloween uh Allegis is hanging out with some of her friends from work and i happen to be in the same neighborhood as they are and they say, hey, we're going to go uh, impromptu. We're going to go see Halloween, the 2018 remake of Halloween. Hmm. Tag along. Yep. I was like, oh, boy. Um, and as a card-carrying scaredy cat, this was a pretty alarming prospect for me. But we went. We sat in the very front row. <laughs> which Jeez. Definitely Physical changed. discomfort to go with emotional discomfort. Yeah. But... I found it to be an incredibly, not pleasant experience, but a very worthwhile experience, and I'm very glad that I saw it, and I'm glad that I saw it in those circumstances. I really like this movie. That is one of the more surprising things I've ever heard on this podcast, but I'm very glad. I think I knew that you had seen this and were kind of generally happy with it, but even even so, that, this is surprising. The, I think the biggest things that I liked about it were... So I'd never seen any Halloween movie because I don't watch scary movies. Yeah. So the original Halloween came out in like the 80s and it was Jamie Lee Curtis, very young, early in her career. 
yep. survives this encounter with a, a mass murderer. He goes to prison. And then there are like eight sequels that get more and more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. What I love about this is that they just said, pretend none of that happened. Let's just have a se- like a direct sequel to Halloween that takes place actually like 30 years after the original, just the same distance that the two films are spread apart. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of basically the Michael Myers, the main uh, villain in the first movie, escapes from his uh, high-security prison and on Halloween night goes on a second killing spree. And mm-hmm. the movie is all about Jamie Lee Curtis, like the trauma that she dealt with coming back and how that's affected her life in the past 30 years and her you know her uh like strong desire to prevent it from happening again to other people mm-hmm. so i think it's a really cool idea for a sequel and i love how they just dismissed <laughs> 25 years of less inspired sequels yeah it ends up kind of def- adhering to a lot of the horror tropes that you see um it doesn't escape some of the drawbacks of those but overall very fun movie to see around Halloween. I dig that. Um, two questions. One is less important than the other. So the less important question is, which Oscar is this being nominated for? Or which Topsker, excuse me. And the more important question is, do you see Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs again? Because that was a pretty monumental moment in, in film history, was seeing them the first time around. Yeah, so the Topsker for Best Actress goes to Jamie Lee Curtis wonderful this is great it's because she took her top off isn't it she does not take her top off that's a massive disappointment i will not be seeing this film (laughs) i had seen enough of her boobs in christmas with the cranks so i was like (laughs) i I was good on jamie lee curtis for a while this is the second time jamie lee curtis's nudity has come up on this podcast i think in the last like couple of months which is wild uh, but she she really su- sells it as uh, this person that has spent a long time living in fear and kind of coming like she plays the really kooky like crazy grandma really well and then at the end of the movie spoiler alert she kicks some serious ass and she's like a a real like movie badass she's awesome mm. so does she kill Michael Myers in the end unclear she uh, I don't yeah. want to spoil it but. It's ambiguous. It seems like a situation that should kill a man, <laughs> but... Fair enough. Yeah. You know what else should kill a man is constipation, but luckily Jamie Lee Curtis has her Activia, so... Who's to, <laughs> who's to say, really? At this stage in her career, nothing can stop her. She can defeat anything. Yeah. Serial killers, <laughs> constipation, whatever. Yeah, anything. All right, number nine. Another horror film, surprisingly. Ooh. Not that scary, but a horror film nonetheless. Number nine, mostly on the merits of its uh, status as like a a two week phenomenon, is Bird Box. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I this kind of is a what's the deal with this because it didn't have a theatrical release. It's a theatrically length film, and I think based on the year that Netflix had, we can consider their movies. I mean. They were nominated for actual Oscars, one of them for Best Picture. I, I see no reason that a Netflix film starring, uh, shoot, what's his name? Um, well, uh, John Bullock Malkovich and John Malkovich, like, mm. with that kind of talent in your movie, like, this is a real movie, so we're gonna consider it. All right, fair enough. It 
is a very uh, classic horror film in that you start with a large group of people, and by the end of it, there's only one person left, and it's the minorities that go first. Of course. It's a, it's a staple of the genre. It's also extremely derivative of A Quiet Place, although I read that I think this book was written before A Quiet Place came out. Mm. Sort of like a Wyatt Earp tombstone Mr. Skin slash Flesh of the Stars situation. Precisely. That's the correct analogy for this. Yeah. Um, but Elegis and I had heard the hype. We threw it on Netflix. It was a really ex- fun experience to just like decide to watch it and throw it on mm-hmm. Netflix and get out of there in 90 minutes and just have a good time. It was, for all of its faults, it was it was a fun a fun experience. I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad you were able to engage with the culture, too. Yeah. It was fun to be, like, able to go into work and engage in the water cooler talk. Like, yeah. oh, Bird Box. I'm like, ah, oh, I saw Bird Box. I have thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was good. Have you... So, I don't... You haven't seen this one yet, either, right? I have not. I've enjoyed the memes with, like, Turd Box and, like, a cat and a kitty litter box, but I have not actually seen the film. I, I would say it's a good one to watch if you're... Uh, oh, we did this last year. We should do it again. Go back for this one if. Um... Mm. Go back to Bird Box if you have, like, 90 minutes to spare because it's not going to require a lot of thought and it's immediately accessible in your home. I, like, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good sales pitch. That's I think that's the whole point of it, and it mm-hmm. succeeds there. So, All right, I dig it. What are, what are we awarding it? I'm giving that one best sound mixing. Cause I, and I had to look this up today. So the difference between sound editing and sound mixing is a little counterintuitive. Sound mm-hmm. editing is the award given to the production crew that is able to create... Basically, sound editing is the process of like putting together all the sounds that you're going to use in a movie, like sound effects, noises, whatever it is, atmospheric noise, however you produce those sounds. And then mixing is the process of like integrating those into the, the fabric of your movie. So while wow. none of this... Interesting. Yeah, so while none of this, there were some cool, like, neat sounds that was like, how'd they do that with some of, like, the monster noises? But really, the, what stood out in this movie is how they were able to use sound as kind of a, a weapon and a way to create atmosphere when there's a decent chunk of the movie where our main characters can't see. And so to put ourselves in their shoes, the sound was very important. So Interesting. this is kind of this- a no-brainer. Does the screen ever go black like you're looking at through the blindfold kind of thing? Not entirely black, but it, yeah, oftentimes you'll be seeing as you know, like as if you have a blindfold on. Mm. Not for like prolonged stretches, but and a lot of the movie takes place with her and her kids on a boat, and they like put this big blanket over them, and so mm. like they're listening to what's happening outside of the blanket, and that's you're getting the same experience as they are. So mm. it's pretty cool. Cool, I dig it. Yeah. Number seven. <laughs> this is one... Oh, sorry. Number eight. This is one that I know that you enjoyed quite a bit. I think when we saw it, we said to each other, this will probably be on next year's Top Screws list. Mm-hmm. Number eight is a little film called Game Night. Yeah. I... So, uh, like I said at the beginning, I was aware that this was tonight's uh, episode we were going to be recording, but I didn't put together my own list. But about ten minutes before we came on, I just took a look through uh this year's top box office just so i could remember some of the movies from this year and uh i was thinking about it game night was the 
was for me the funniest movie of the year like that was the actual comedy that i laughed at the most in 2018 i thought rachel i well i guess it can't be best she can't be best actress maybe she could be best supporting but i thought rachel mcadams was so funny in this movie the whole scene about uh jason bateman getting shot was just fantastic then i mean jesse plemons was incredible in this movie like this was just mvp uh, yeah jesse plemons is probably the mvp of this movie um but man oh man this was a good one now that you say that i feel like i've given it the wrong top skirt i feel like i should have given jesse plemons best supporting mm. but i will say that like, there are there's an incredible roster in this movie especially of supporting characters we need a bish we need a bish is in it i started watching new girl after i saw this and so mm-hmm. i i wish i had seen this after i had started watching new girl because i think it would have been more enjoyable for that reason yeah but kyle chandler is in this movie like yep one of my all-time favorites insane yes um jeffrey wright is in this aka felix slater and yep. uh dr bernard <laughs> from uh from uh wild or uh, westworld so like and then jason bateman and rachel mike adams like this is a, a heavy hitter of a film and it's really funny yeah. yeah yeah it's it's really interesting that you don't it feels like there's not a lot of conventional comedies out there like just not a ton of big budget or i guess not big budget like big release big yeah. box office r-rated funny comedies and this was one of the very few and they just they did a great job. I, that was a fun cast. Yeah, I agree. I and this is starting to feel weird. I gave it a, a very strange top skirt. Do you remember, like in transition scenes and at the beginning of the movie, they would show like overhead views of like the neighborhood or like the bridge that they were on, and they would move like cars around and people around, like it was the game of life, and they looked mm-hmm. like tokens, like on a game board. Yeah. I was so tickled by that animation. Like, I just thought it was a really cool, creative choice. Um, so I gave Game Night the top score for best visual effects. Like, I thought... I, I actually don't think it's a dumb award to give it. I thought that that really added to it. Like, this was this really was a movie that brought you legitimate comedy in a, some slightly unconventional packaging. Like, it was a very traditional comedy, but the packaging was a little different. And I think that this was something that made it really fun and a little bit different so i'm not i'm actually not anti i think that they're the the wealth gets spread a little bit too much maybe for a particular acting topsker because there's too many different people who are really funny i want to say it was lucy lawless um the the british woman maybe I, I think i might be screwing that up but the the woman who um and now I'm totally screwing this up. She either has an Irish accent or a, an English accent, and I'm really forgetting. But she was really funny, whoever that was. Like she was the one that was like the the operator of the game that like was. They needed to go to her office to get it sorted out, or who was she in the movie? I now have no clue. Yeah, I, don't I remember her being really funny though. The problem is, too many people in this movie were funny to to really pick one out. So I like giving this one to the visual effects folks. Yeah, maybe if this was the BAFTAs, we could give it Best Ensemble or something. Yeah, that's probably what it would what it would warrant. Yeah. So, go back to Game Night. If you're in the mood for something light, something funny, something with a lot of people that you recognize, uh, and something with a, a fun payoff at the end, I'd recommend yeah. this one. Absolutely. All right. 
That was number eight, which means it's time for the not top three segment. When should I get started on that? I'm not really sure. I don't know. It feels like now is probably a decent time, but I don't know. How are you going to know when to start? That's, I guess, if only we had some not top three music. Hey, thanks, Kevin. That was just awesome. That's actually one of my favorite additions you've done so far. Yeah, for sure. He was bringing it tonight. He knows it's a big stage. Absolutely bringing it. Okay. There were a lot of bad movies I saw this year. But I managed to find the worst three. (laughs) Number three was a film called Venom. Hey, what the hell? Jeez. Yeah, I didn't love Venom. Well, uh, well, let me just say, let me say this. I think if you give this the top score that I think you're going to give it, then I fully support. I don't uh, support like a a not top top score for the film as a whole, but I do support it for one particular aspect of the film. Continue. I actually didn't award any of my not tops a top score. What would you have given Venom? Oh, this is unquestionably. Well, see, now this, I guess, depends on how we divide the blame. It had the worst villain I've see, ever seen in a movie. So it's and I and I actually don't say that hyperbolically. That was the worst villain I've ever seen in a movie. It's I don't I have a hard time blaming Riz Ahmed because he's so good. So maybe it's the writing. Probably I'd give this worst original screenplay or worst adapted. I, I don't know what comic book movies go into. It's probably adapted. But yeah. holy Jesus, that was awful. Yeah, let's do that. Worst adapted screenplay. My biggest problem with this movie was absolutely the writing. It, I'm <laughs> listen. I love superhero movies. I love yeah. them. I don't. And you're very forgiving of them. Yeah, I don't like. I fucking loved Age of Ultron. Like, it doesn't take that much to for me to be into it. This movie had so many plot holes that it actually pulled me out of it. Like, yeah. Like immediate. There, I remember this one scene was so jarring. I actually laughed. Is, like, right after he gets the first, like, big scene with the symbiote, which, by the way, in the trailers, they called it uh, a symbiote, and then they changed it in the movie to get it right. Like, they didn't look up how to pronounce symbiote before they made the trailer for this movie, before they when, filmed the damn when, movie. If you were to build the actual characters in the film, the symbiote is the second build character, right? Like, it'll be Eddie Brock and then the symbiote. Yep. Yeah. So, no big deal. <laughs> That would be like if you called him Edie Brock. Yeah, that would be tough. It's like a so, 30s film star, Edie Brock. So, immediately after their first big scene, the symbiote tells Eddie, he's like, bitch, you're along for the ride. And, and then scene, cut. And then the very next scene, the two of them are going to Eddie's place of work so that Eddie can get like uh, a message or something that's on his computer. Like immediately after the symbiote told him like i don't give a shit about what you want he's like actually that's cool can we make us detour at my place of work and symbiote's like that's cool i'll even help you do it like what is this and then that's just the most glaring example there are a lot of them and so while i enjoyed this movie i really did because i was laughing at it and i think it was laughing at itself a little bit yeah it doesn't save it this was a bad movie regardless of how much it grossed and how much people ended up kind of ironically loving it 
Yes, it was a bad movie, but it was a very bad script. And I think we can both agree on that. Yep. Yeah. Number two in my not top three was Tag. Oh, wait. Venom should also get <laughs> the not top skirt for <laughs> worst wig. Did you stick around for the post credit scene? Yes. Woody Harrelson with that horrible red wig. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> worst wig. That was right. tough. I forgot about that. Awful. Mm-hmm. Our second movie was another comedy called Tag, which I was really excited about because of the cast. Like, I'm in on Renner, I'm in on the Hamaconda, I'm in on Jake Johnson yep. and Hannibal Burris. Like, sign me up. Jameson and I saw the trailer. We were like, we are going to love this. We went and saw it together. I think Jameson really liked it. Well, <laughs> but I did not, mostly because. I mean, you could have you could have told me this from the trailer. I could have told you this in the trailer. They kind of use their bullets there, um, and there's one joke in particular that they do about halfway through the movie that is really aggressively not funny. And actually- I remember you telling me like there was one thing that they said that just totally just ruined like ruined what could have been a passable movie for you. It came to like a skidding halt. Like, yee, that was both not funny and like really offensive. And it would have been fine if they that had been it, but they just they just they were like, let's double down on this, and this will be our thing. And uh, they really should not have done that, and it really tainted the last like <laughs> three fifths of the movie for me. So bummer for that. Um, didn't love tag. I have a question for you because this actually might contribute to the top score or not top score that's awarded to this film. Have you read the article? I think it was, I'm assuming it was on The Ringer, like most of our articles of interest, uh, breaking down frame by frame when Jeremy Renner's arms were broken in this movie. No. So this is great. Maybe arm, whatever. I assume it wasn't both of his arms. But he broke an arm filming some other movie. And so when you look at the trailer, you can see there sometimes he literally has three arms because they did such a poor job of editing his arm out. <laughs> and the irony of this is that it's in a movie about tag, in right. which tagging somebody is very important. Now, my understanding is he's never it, so maybe it's not as important for him. But even so, it's very physically challenging, physically demanding, and he did it with a broken arm or wrist or something. And there are some glaringly obvious times where he has like one mega hand, because they did such a poor job. It's definitely worth a read. So I think even though I didn't see this, I'm willing to award this worst visual effects. I didn't notice that in the movie, but I'm also willing to give the not top skirt to tag for worst visual effects. Okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> the worst movie I saw last year was Pacific Rim Uprising. Mm. And the worst movie you're going to see next year is, you know, spinoff of that one. Probably. <laughs> It'd be a home, a home movie. gross sorry folks that's a pacific rim job joke (laughs) all right so a lot of things wrong with this movie but (laughs) the biggest one is that they like these movies are are just made for uh overseas audience so like the big markets in china and other pacific rim countries shockingly 
Um, and we saw this <laughs> recently with Batman Ninja. Yeah. That market really, really likes big robots, and the dialogue just needs to be extremely shouty and doesn't really need to make a ton of sense. Yeah. That's all this movie is. It was like Batman Ninja, but just like strictly giant robots and just a lot of yelling at each other and robots smashing into things for like close to two hours which i'm not above that kind of thing in general but i really hated this one and it's it's always bad when you're in a movie and you're wondering when it will be over that's almost never happened to me that's brutal when that does happen um most important question was john boyega in this one he was and he was fine yeah he was overshadowed by some really bad stuff from Charlie Day. Uh, Charlie Day is so good on Always Sunny. And that's about as far as I'm willing to go. Yeah. He was really bad in this movie. He's found the perfect character for himself in Always Sunny. And that's that's about it. The problem is I think that that's his character in this movie too. And he doesn't yeah. fit. Yeah. So. Those are the three worst movies I saw this year. Did you Wait, what, what, what was the what was the not top score for Pacific Rim? I don't know. I guess I would give it um give it, I'll give it to Charlie Day for worst supporting actor. Oh, okay. I like that. That seems yeah. that seems like a good one. Yeah. Um No, I don't I don't have any uh that I wanna call out specifically. I, I kinda like the I don't see that movies that are that bad. Cause I yeah. didn't have movie pass this year. That's why I saw... So, without Movie Pass, I definitely would not have seen Pacific Rim or Tag. I still yeah. would have seen Venom, probably. Yeah. Venom will hold a special place in my heart, because that was the first movie I think I've ever actually seen alone. And it was really cool. nice. I really enjoyed it. Caroline ditched me big time. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I had a really nice time. It was great. I think I, I told you... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think I told you that I like got to my seat, and it was taken, and I asked somebody to switch, and... It ended up like a whole ro- like a row of seven people had to move because of me, and it was, it was a tough nice. first lonesome movie experience at first, and then it was great. I gotta say, I'm a fan of it. I did it a lot this year, um, because I had movie pass. I saw none of these movies by myself, but I saw a lot, and I gotta say, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. No, it's nice. Yeah. So, some honorable mentions, some bad movies that weren't the worst I saw this year. I really did not like Jurassic World all that much. That was horrific, but it's nominated for an Oscar, I think, right? Is it really? Oh, no, never mind. Never mind. You're right. Okay. Yeah, that was was horrific. Yeah, it was pretty awful. Uh, Tomb Raider? (laughs) I didn't see that one, but it didn't get great reviews. Ugh. I saw that one by myself, and it started off very promising. There's this cool yeah. scene where she's into biking, and they like they put a can, a can of paint on her back like seat, and then they like poke a hole in it, and then a bunch of other dudes on bikes chase her, and like they can follow the paint trail. And the game is like if she can evade capture, then she wins. So like it's basically she has to go long enough that all the paint comes out of the can. And it's in London. It's like a really cool chase scene. And I was like, damn, this is going to be awesome. And then that the rest is cool. Of the, movie, the rest of the movie was just shit. And that was Alicia Vikander, right? Yeah. Mm, tough to waste her because she's fantastic. I wouldn't say she was wasted, but like she was good. But yeah, uh, not a great movie overall. The Equalizer 2 was really disappointing, mm. especially for my dad. I thought he was I'll say, cry. has your dad seen it yet? 
We, uh, my dad and I saw it together. It was actually me, my dad, uh, my uncle Chuck, and my cousin Adam. We all saw it. Uh, and my dad was close <laughs> to This is the greatest tears. thing I've ever heard. I know. It was great. Um, it was. We went home. We went home for Allegis' wedding shower. And while the girls and the ladies were doing that, I called my dad up. I was like, let's go see Equalizer 2. So we did that. It was great. I just... Wow. I really love that. Disappointing film, but... Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Viper from Game of Thrones. Oh, God. Him. I, yeah. I can't think of his name right now. Extremely compelling villain, but overall pretty disappointing. So that that rounds out the bad movies I saw this year. We can get back to the good stuff. Okay. I'm going to try to find his name quickly. Let's take Pascal? A yeah, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. He was good. Yep. He was really good. And Denzel, of course, is incredible. Of course. The great Denzel right. Washington. Do you know I know him? Really? <laughs> Boys and Girls Club of Washington, D.C. Wow, you're a hero. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> okay. Number seven is a little film called Unsane. I can't believe it. Another horror film. Another one that I didn't see. Um, this is, this really is Steven Soderbergh, a... right? Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't realize it was him until after I saw it. And I had always associated him with the Oceans and, and uh, Logan Lucky, so I was mm-hmm. kind of confused by this. But And this is really more of a thriller than a horror movie. But yep. the basic premise is that this girl has like a... And a like, she had a stalker, and there's some lingering effects of that, so she checks herself into like a, a place to get some me- mental help, like a therapy session. Through some series of circumstances, she ends up having to stay there for a few nights... And then her stalker, um, she starts seeing her stalker around in the hospital. And so the whole movie is kind of questioning, like, the nature of sanity and, like, whether or not she's going crazy. I'm not going to spoil anything because it's worth watching. But it's really, it's an intimate, kind of tight thriller. uh, And it's really nerve-wracking. Allegis wanted to see it, so we went and saw it. I'm glad we did. Um... The top score for this one goes for best cinematography because Steven Soderbergh shot this thing on an iPhone. <sighs> He's really kind of crazy. His, his if you look at his uh, filmography, it's it's a pretty wild collection of movies that are all very different from each other. Yes. Um, He's he's awesome. That's really cool. I had heard that that was what they did. I, this is this is on my list. I got to really see this one because I love every Steven Soderbergh film I've ever seen and one where he's kind of playing in the sandbox like this seems kind of fun. Be warned because it's uh it is scary and it's definitely upsetting yeah at, at times but overall a worthwhile experience and and definitely probably more fun to watch with the with the context that it was filmed on an iPhone. Yeah. Um that was really cool and this is the first time I'd actually seen Claire Foy which I was very impressed by her in this movie. Yeah, she was wonderful in a film that I think was nominated for... Yeah, it was unfortunately nominated for an, an actual Oscar, but she was incredible in First Man. Yes, like, she was. Incredible. I also heard that this film contains an excellent guest appearance from Dr. Man. Yes, it does. I love his new role as just the king of cameos. Yeah. Oh, just and I like, literally stopped and like looked at each other in the middle of this movie. We're like, what is... By the way, this is Matt Damon we're talking about. Like, what is Matt Damon doing here as Matt Damon? Yeah. He doesn't uh, he's he doesn't appear as himself, but he may as well be. Like, 
It's real. He's in it for two minutes. So yeah, he's become a real elder statesman of Hollywood in, in a way that's very amusing. Never forget that he was also in Ragnarok for ten seconds. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. I love it. So yeah, go back to go back for Unsane if you're okay with being a little bit unsettled. If you like to be, if you like horror films and you like to be a little perturbed, this is the perfect film for you. Um, and if you're a fan of experimental film, like you won't even notice that it was shot on an iPhone unless you're looking for it. Like the aspect ratio is off, but you get used to it in like two seconds. Um, but like it feels like a real movie, which is I think what's so cool about it is he's kind of flexing like. And they talked. He talked about this on a podcast I listened to him with recently, where he was saying like, with an iPhone, you can shoot. He basically proved like anyone can shoot a professional looking movie, which is such a exciting thing. Yeah. So that was number seven. Number six is a film called Mid Nineties, written and directed by Jonah Hill. Mm. This is playing so far like a list of movies that I really wanted to see and didn't. Because <laughs> mid '90s is another one I really wanted to see. I would say you should go back for this one. Um, yeah. I was kind of surprised to find it this low on the list because I really liked it. I saw it with my sister Erin. Um, I think that it does have greater significance and plays better to a demographic that did grow up in this period. And I think, and I don't include myself in that. I think it's yeah. probably best for people that are a few years older than we are that were nearing adulthood in the 90s. Um, but it's basically about this kid that has some difficulties at home that kind of finds a friend group of skateboarders that he ends up fitting in really well with. Uh, and it's just like a very heartfelt kind of homage to that time period and a very focused character study on like a group of really 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 charming kids and, and that's really the highlight of the movie is like these four or five kids that are just knocking out of the park like every one of them is incredibly likable even though they're just skateboarding punks um and you can tell the movie was crafted with a lot of love because like the there's like panning shots of things that were in the 90s like cds like rap yeah. cds and like basketball jerseys and skateboards and like this whole culture that has really paid a lot of respect um i i really and there's some some other great actors i don't remember his name but he showed up in a lot of stuff recently he was in he was the brother in three billboards he Lucas was the hedges he's yes. like the, the king of oscar bait roles he's he's amazing he's an incredible actor i mean you did you see manchester by the sea i did not yeah, you should. That's one to go back for. Manchester by the Sea was a, just an incredible film, but Lucas Hedges was just blew me away in that movie. I thought he held up next to Casey Affleck so well that, like, I'm just so in on him. And that's one of the big reasons I'm disappointed I haven't seen this film yet is that I saw him in the trailer and it looked like he was going to flex his muscles a little bit as an actor. He sure does. Um, and the. Top score for this movie is going to a supporting actor, but it's not Lucas Hedges. Dig it. Okay. It's going to a young man by the name of Nakel Smith, mm -hmm. who played a character named Ray. Ray is basically like the, the ringleader of this group of skateboarders. And mm -hmm. he, it's really cool because they all have nicknames. 
uh, one of them, this really charming <laughs> kid in the movie, his nickname is Fuck Shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pete or Stevie, the kid, goes, Why do they call him Fuck Shit? And his, <laughs> the other guy goes, Because he always says that. He goes, Oh, fuck shit. That was dope. <laughs> and then it immediately cuts to him, like, a pe- like, a little further away from them, looking at a, another kid doing a trick, and he goes, oh, fuck, shit, that was dope. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so they all have nicknames except for Ray. Like, that's just his name. Like, he goes by Ray. He's the leader. And he's really serious about his skateboarding career, and um, that's one of the big overarching themes of the movie, or through lines of the movie, is, like, his pursuit of legitimacy in, in skateboarding. He's just a really inspiring character and played to perfection by this young, I think, emerging actor. Whenever he's on screen, you just have like you can't you can't not give it a hundred percent focus and it's so compelling. So I'm looking forward to seeing more from from this guy. Awesome. I dig that. I, it's always cool when you get that feeling. Now I just made this movie sound like really serious and kind of brooding, but it's also one of the funniest movies I saw this year. Like, it wouldn't be a stretch to classify this as a comedy. Um, it was laugh out loud funny at times, so. I, I'd say anyone really would enjoy this movie. All right, number five is another <laughs> kind of indie movie that I don't know if I would have seen without movie pass. I saw this one with Aaron. Mm-hmm. This one is called The Old Man and the Gun. So I put this on when I did a little... Uh brief study before on a list of movies i wanted to make sure you mentioned because i haven't seen it but you talked about this in such glowing terms earlier in the year the only reason it's this low is because of its exposure and because the four above it are uh as great as they are but so the movie is stars robert redford and also has uh, casey affleck in it so robert redford and danny glover is also in it too um give me more danny glover i know so robert redford's character is a bank robber and he just goes into banks and he says he'll go up to the teller and he'll say hello beautiful he always picks a young woman he says hello gorgeous this is a bank robbery and he has a gun in his jacket and he says oh don't fret just put the money in the bag it's insured i'll take it i'll be on my way and the whole movie is based upon the notion that this guy is so charming and so pleasant and so kind that he can get away with this kind of thing and people are almost happy to give him the money like casey affleck is the detective investigating and everyone he interviews is saying he was just the nicest old man and like it's a it's a real testament to robert redford's acting ability that you believe that this guy could just walk into a bank and do that yeah um and then so he is in a or a relationship with this woman and he's robbing banks at the same time and it's all about his history and why he's why he's feels like he has to do this um and then casey affleck is trying to solve the case and it's not that long and there's not that much to it other than highlighting a couple of really really talented actors and so the top score for this one is best actor for robert redford i'm actually kind of surprised he wasn't legitimately nominated i he, th- without Robert, we talked about this with Christian Bale. Without Robert Redford in this movie or someone else doing this role, this is probably a a C C plus movie based on yeah. plot alone. But with him in it and Casey Affleck too, those two, it's 
this was an A, borderline A plus movie. Like I was yeah. shocked by how much I loved it. I'm also very surprised that this wasn't nominated for an actual best actor Oscar um, because I don't, I wouldn't really classify this as a crazy strong year. And it's, I believe Robert Redford has said this is going to be his last ever acting role. It's, it doesn't, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me that he wasn't nominated for this. I mean, I'm sure he'll get a lifetime achievement award before too long if he hasn't gotten one already, but why not? Like, I don't know, Viggo Mortensen, really? Like, Willem Dafoe? I don't know. It's weird because the Oscars do this all the time. They give somebody kind of a makeup award. But this wouldn't have been a makeup award. Like, he's extremely deserving. Like, he made this movie, and he was amazing. I just believed he was this guy. And what's also neat is that, like, this character in some ways mirrors robert redford like this is yeah. a guy who's you know so go back to this movie if if you like robert redford which yep. everybody does yeah i and it's just it's not really a, a mystery movie it's not like a, a whodunit it's just like a a really cool character study that's carried by its actors and yeah i i, I can't speak more highly of it i i loved it beautiful all right we're changing pace. We're changing gears a little bit for number four. <laughs> number four was a film called Sorry to Bother You. Did you end up catching this one? No. Ah, I did not mean to pick exclusively movies that you didn't see, Mike. Yeah, so Sorry. far I've seen one of these movies. Don't worry. I know you've seen two of the top three. Okay. So. Yeah, I know I know, I know. know what two of the top. <laughs> yeah. I definitely know what two of the top three are. Yeah. So. Sorry to bother you. It's just a... I don't even know how you describe it. It's this guy who takes a job as a telephone screener, like a te- or a telephone salesman. And it's kind of... It's just a movie about race relations and race power. Um, <laughs> and I can't... I, I really just can't get into it too much further than that without giving stuff away and ruining the experience, I guess. But isn't the basic premise that this is a black guy who has a great white voice? Basically, he he starts rising by using a fake white voice, and that sort of grants him power. And then he gets behind the scenes of how power works. Yes. So there's a scene early in the movie where Danny Glover is the salesman right next to him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he tells him, he's like, if you want to sell, you got to use your white voice. He's like, what are you talking about? And what's cool is that he actually, it's, it's David Cross. Like, David Cross does all of his, like, white person No, lines. he doesn't. Yes. Oh, that's like, great. Hello, ma'am. Can I interest you in some whatever it is? And it, so it plays for laughs, and it's actually a funny movie, but it goes some places that you do not expect. It is a wild ride, and a movie you definitely need to experience for yourself. It's definitely not for everybody, but... I really liked it, and it kind of... I think a, a good comp for it is Get Out. Like, if you liked Get Out, you'd probably like this movie. Mm. So This is going to be this is gonna be my Get Out of this year, where I don't watch it, like, to the point that's, like, ridiculous, and then see it and absolutely love it. You That is exactly how this is going to go. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for this one and thinking, man, that looks incredible. Also, it looks awful. And I was very pleasantly surprised when the reviews came in and it was getting praise to the skies. Yep. 
deserved for yeah. sure. Army Hammer is also in it. <laughs> I heard I heard great things about his performance. It's wild. I wish we got more of Army Hammer. Yeah, he was. You still haven't seen Call Me by Your Name, right? I did see Call Me by Your Name. You did see it. Yep. Yeah, he was incredible in that movie. I, that was the first thing I'd seen him in since he was the Winklevi, and I was yeah. like, I was stunned. I was like, whoa, this guy's incredible. Yeah. So, he was actually supposed to be Batman in George Miller's Justice League. Yeah, I would I would be okay with him as Batman, especially as he gets older and seemingly wiser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this movie gets the top score for best original screenplay. Mm-hmm. It's a very cleverly uh, and intentionally written movie. So, cool. I dig that. All right, that brings us to our honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to rattle off, because we're getting kind of long here. I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of movies that I saw that I don't think were among the 10 best I saw this year, but that I enjoyed and I think in general are worth going back for if you did not see them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really into the, the Purge series, but uh, my sister-in-law Talia and my mother-in-law are very into the films, <laughs> and we watched the first Purge when I was there for the holidays and i gotta say i really liked it this is a year of horror for me i'm surprised at how much i liked all these this is this is a very odd list for you it is it's very not my speed but i like this movie a lot (laughs) it was and there's kind of some group think maybe like it was just a fun group group movie like so that's definitely something to keep in mind fantastic beasts crimes of grindelwald for all of its problems overall a movie that i did enjoy Mm-hmm. You can hear more about that on our Fantastic Beast pod. Yes, one of the few disagreements in the pod's history. Yeah. Okay, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Solid, if not spectacular, addition to the, the MCU. It's a good description. It was, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Deadpool 2. Funny, not as awesome as the first. Yes, naturally, but still, but better than I expected. Yeah, true. Ocean's 8. Kind of a fun dip back into that universe but definitely lacked some of the magic of the originals mm-hmm. Go, wow kind of a theme here uh sicario 2 day of soldado yeah so i don't want this to be in the honorable mentions because this was one of the best movies i saw all year and i will argue passionately for it a little bit later okay then we'll do that uh hotel artemis really fun cast i think they decided to get a bunch of people and then we're like now what um yeah (laughs) it was good it was it was it was fine i really mostly just enjoyed uh dave bautista (laughs) as well as and uh sterling k brown sterling k brown god i love sterling k brown so much i think the first thing i ever saw him in was the oj show and he was a revelation and has just only gotten better he was incredible for in like five minutes of Black Panther. Like incredible. One of the best things about that movie. Yep. And he was definitely the highlight of this movie for sure. Yeah. Uh, Rampage. I was shocked to find that I enjoyed Rampage. Jameson loved it. I'm sure. He, we both loved it. We were <laughs> all over it. it. Um, it was, uh, what's, I don't remember her name. Naomi, the money penny from the bond movies. Uh, yeah. Um, not Naomi Campbell, right? something no. like that no not naomi Watts. there's like three naomi's naomi campbell naomi watts and naomi harris naomi harris she's naomi harris that's her yep it's her and the rock and um <laughs> what's the 
the one from the office, the little, the one that looks like Jim. Uh, oh, uh, Plop. Yeah, Plop. <laughs> or yeah, Plop. So he's Plop. He's, the other one's he, Clark. Yeah, Plop. He yeah. The the one thing about this movie is they completely flip on their stance on animal rights. Like the whole first, the first like three quarters of the movie are like, we have to save these animals. These animals have feelings and souls. And then at the end of the movie, they're like, ah, just kill them. So, but it was a fun like two hours. And then the commuter, which is just taken on a train. Mm-hmm. But. That, uh, which Allegis and I watched this on the plane back from our honeymoon, and it's the perfect airplane movie. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. Yeah. So there is that. Now we're into our top three. Yep. Here's one that I know you did see, Mike. Yes. Number three was a film by the name of Annihilation. Yeah, so this needed to be very high on the list, and I think I know what the uh, the top score is going to be. Um can I guess what it's going to be? Yeah, well, why don't you just... You haven't had much of a chance to describe very many movies. Why don't you go through this one? Yeah, so Annihilation... Basically, this woman, played by Natalie Portman, in one of her... This is a... What is this year? This was an even year, so she was good this year. Yeah. Um, next year, she'll, she'll be bad again. But she was really good this year. So, she plays a doctor. Uh, she's a medical professor, I think. And... Her husband is played by Oscar Isaac, and he's a special forces commando who comes back from a mission, and things are not quite right with him. She ends up getting pulled into a mission to where he was last uh, deployed, and basically it's this weird zone where everything is just really warped and screwed up. Area X. Yeah, Area X. Everything is warped and screwed up, and so she goes with this platoon and... Things just go very wrong, and soul souls are examined, meanings of life are considered, <laughs> uh, horrible screeching noises are made. It's it's a very deeply disturbing film from the guy who did Ex Machina. Um, yes, but it is a stunningly beautiful movie. Really weird and funky, and man, oh man, it's one of those movies that's hard to describe what exactly happens but the feeling you get that whole movie is so distinctive i just i won't forget what i felt and i will never ever ever forget the discomfort that our dear friend alex was feeling while he was watching this movie because i was sitting next to him and this is not a horror movie it has some horror elements but it, it's just a like a you know kind of actiony movie with you know a little more provocative themes but i remember at the end of this movie there's something happens that is literally indescribable. Literally indescribable. You cannot describe it, and you especially can't clarify why it's so disturbing unless you've seen it. I actually tried to explain this scene to a coworker yeah. who said he wasn't going to see it, and I tried to explain what about it was so upsetting, and you were right. It was impossible. I just could not convey it, which you I don't know why I tried. You cannot convey it. It's like, oh, so somebody gets punched in the face now. Oh, so somebody jumps out and scares you now. Oh, so some existential question is considered now. Like, you have to see there's, it. This own little category of thing happens, and the look on Alex's face, he was so, <laughs> so <laughs> uncomfortable watching this movie, and I, I could, I've never seen somebody be that uncomfortable in a movie, and I, I felt it. It's a great movie. 
I think that this one is gonna stand the test of time. Like I, this is a movie I'm gonna I'm gonna have to revisit. Yes, some when I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, um, but like, it's just a beautiful movie. Like first yeah. of all, the effects are amazing. Yeah. But aside, and unique. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very incredible. Really, really good art direction. Um, yeah. Which I will say, having read the book, there are a lot of changes that are from the book, but they're almost all good changes for a movie. And the way that they were able to translate the feeling from the book into a film was amazing and deserves a lot of praise. Some of the changes from the book to the movie weren't as good. It's a little tough. <laughs> it got whitewashed a little bit, but... Yeah. Gave them the aloha treatment. Yeah. But, uh... I would recommend I would recommend the book actually it's it's very quick um but I would recommend the movie to anybody that likes science fiction anyone being disturbed that, you have to be okay with being a little disturbed it's uh I don't even know how to it, I guess it's it's definitely science fiction and but it's not like a thriller or like a horror film it's just it's kind of in its own niche no it's 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 kind of back to the roots of science fiction which is to science fiction slash fantasy which is to take some element of the world as it is and tweak it slightly to make you question some fundamental thing about our world it's it, i actually think if people saw the movie arrival and liked it this is a really good comp for that it's hmm. a movie that that's just a little bit different than our world that we live in and it asks you a lot of questions about the world we really do live in that's a good way to describe it yeah you want to guess the top scare? Yeah, I gotta think it's sound editing because uh, maybe it's something else. But the that sound that we don't have to get into it because it's been done better on a podcast we both listen to. But there's a there's a musical um, arrangement that's very upsetting to listen to. One of the many ways this movie disturbs you. But overall, the sound editing in this movie was just top notch. Close. I gave it to best original score because yeah. Because that particular set of notes, which is intentionally discordant to upset you, yeah. appears heavily in the soundtrack towards the end. But what's neat about this movie is that it's equal parts, the, the score I listened to the other day is equal parts like eerie and science fiction-y and kind of like uh, like warbly and unsettling and kind of cacophonic and <sighs> foreboding, mm. all those things. But also, this movie is very kind of ponderous and like thinks a lot and like the characters actually spend a lot of time just thinking about things yeah. and there's a significant portion of the soundtrack that is like acoustic guitar like very kind of rustic like yeah. slow guitar music and it like really sets the tone of like this contemplative like cerebral kind of movie that at the same time is th thrilling and it kind of like an adventure kind of type deal so the fact that it was able to do both of those things and the same soundtrack very effectively was, was very impressive. So I, I gave it to the best original score. I like that. I think that that's very fitting. Yeah. Number two. Sorry, Mike, you did not see this one either. I don't think I know it. I know what this one is going to be though, because there's one movie you haven't mentioned that you praised ridiculously. Number two is the sisters brothers. Yeah. Starring John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix. And also starring Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Riz Ahmed. So it's a pretty, it's, it's an all-star team, another all-star team. 
this is the story of these two brothers whose last name happens to be sisters, the sisters' brothers. They are bounty hunters slash enforcers, um, the like frontier times out west in the states. They kind of just take odd jobs and are, are muscle, and it's just kind of a story about them getting on and doing what they do and what their lives are like and them being brothers and how their lives have gotten to them to this point. And it's like, there's not like a, a really, it's not really a plot driven movie. It just, it starts at like this point and it ends at another point And there's just a lot of stuff that happens in the middle. Um, but it's beautifully shot and just, it, it reminds you that, like, these two guys are two of the best, like, classical actors that we have. They are amazing. I could watch John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix do... This could have been a seven-hour movie. I don't know if I would have gotten tired of it. Like, yeah, it was really an incredible film. Yeah, John C. Re- so, I think we've talked about this a little bit. I-, I saw the book, like, four years ago and was just so struck by the cover that I really, really wanted to read it. And it's just been floating at the back of my list. And knowing that this came out is going to be motivation for me to read the book and then watch the movie. So I'm going to be delayed in watching this film because I want to, I want to read it first, but man, I will watch anything other maybe than the Sherlock Holmes movie that was panned so ridiculously that John C. Riley is in. I think he is, he's less, he's a lesser version of Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman, but he is just an all-star in comedy, in drama, he's just, he just has an incredible sort of honesty to him. Like he just feels very real in everything he does. And my dad has pointed this out because my dad is a huge John C. Riley guy. He is able to keep a straight face doing, and, and I do think that goes a long way towards serious acting too, when saying something silly, like almost no other actor I've ever seen. Like he, he has this scene, in this movie that nobody's ever seen except for my dad, Nate and and me uh, called him was it employee of the month or something, but it's not the one with Dane Cook. It's I think it's the same title um, or the promotion. I'm sorry, it's called the promotion. He's competing with Sean William Scott for a promotion, and he is he gets in trouble for giving out a um, best cutting the cheese award at the deli <laughs> at the supermarket where he works, and he's like facing the bosses, and he's trying to claim that cutting the cheese is not a phrase in Canada. And he says, in Canada, we say cracking it, cracking the cheese. And he says it with such a straight face. My dad must say cracking it once a week. All of which is to say, I will be seeing this film as soon as I can, because you have praised it so completely. And because John C. Riley is a genius. I can't imagine too many movies that are more up your alley. I think that you are going to really take to this one. And I truly believe this picture should have been nominated for Best Picture. So that's the top score I'm giving. Best it. Picture? Yeah. Okay. I dig that. I know for certain what number one is. Yep. And it seems kind of strange for me to put a movie above the movie that I just awarded Best Picture to. Mm-hmm. And yet that's exactly what's going to happen. Mike, tell the people all about our, my favorite. I think one of probably your favorite or close to it favorite movies of this year. Yeah, so Mission Impossible Fallout is number one, of course. I'm not sure which top score we're going to go for here. I'm interested to hear what you were thinking. Uh, but it's our dear friend Ethan Hunt, as always, chose to accept a mission. 
uh, and he saved the world again. And he saved the world in the most visually striking fashion in the history of the Mission Impossible series. So that, to me, is the thing that will stand out. Like, as a Patriots fan, I've now got six Super Bowl titles to look back on. And so, no, so it's hard. Sometimes they kind of run together a little bit. And so what you have to do is you think about what is, what is, what is the defining characteristic of that season? And what was the thing that struck you most about that championship? And so that's what we're at. We're at six, really, we're at six Mission Impossibles and like four and a half great Mission Impossible films. So, so at this point, it's like, what is the thing that you remember in each of these movies? Like four, you remember for just the sheer audacity and ridiculousness of it. Like, that's the thing. You remember the Burj Khalifa climb. Like, that's the thing that you remember. Five, you remember like how tight it was. You remember, damn, that was a really tightly plotted and done movie. This one is just, I think it's the visuals. The, The halo jump was so, was one of the coolest things I've ever seen dedicated to film i think that the fight in the bathroom like that pure white bathroom with like red blood dripping like it's just that was that was the whole series in a in a scene was the comedy the the fighting like everything in one scene so i think mission impossible is great for all of the reasons that all of the mission impossible films are great but this one especially was great because it was just so visually striking so you've you've just given the top screw that I was thinking of. I I was gonna give it best production design because yeah, the skydive scene is like it's incredible, <laughs> and then yeah, it's it's just so damn cool. The bathroom scene is one of my favorite fight scenes ever. Yeah. Um. And and there are, there are so many more like the catacombs fight. Um, yeah. The the armored truck heist is I think maybe my favorite stretch of that movie. With the whole the whole car chase, um, the the helicopter chase at the end of the movie, and the climactic uh, like battle scene, like every single set piece in this movie is like jaw droppingly epic. Like the 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 chase scene when he's like running on the rooftops in London. I was just gonna like, say that when he's running like when he runs through the funeral when he's trying to figure out the GPS. It's that is a jaw dropping movie, and I can't wait to. I saw it twice in theaters, and I, I'm very much excited to see it again soon. <laughs> like it's been too long yeah. since I've seen it. Um, so it wasn't the like I think the Sisters Brothers is a better film, but I don't remember having a better movie going experience in a long time than seeing Mission Impossible because I I like to love all of these movies except mission impossible 2 and for them to up the ante and like make a movie that is so clearly the best in its own series six movies in yeah and to wow me like that in a in a genre that i thought that i had seen a lot of you know is really is really a feat and and i think back on 2018 and like the summer specifically i'm gonna remember this movie so i would recommend this movie to everybody everyone should see this everybody this is why movies get made this is this is why we watch movies this this exact film so that is my top screw list beautiful all right i'm gonna just give you a couple um i've got three that you didn't mention uh so or you did mention one so soldado so i think soldado deserves to be seriously considered for this list i think people are massively disappointed by soldado because sicario was one of the best 
most perfectly plotted action movies that's maybe ever been made. It was it was perfect. That was a whatever it was, 100 minutes of of perfection. Yep. And Soldado was not, but it was a lot of incredible stuff. It was very thoughtful about what um one of the most important topics in today's America, which is like the relationship between the US and the countries to the south. And it like really thought about those relationships in a way that I don't think the first one did uh, all the time, because I think the first one was a little bit more about the people. The second one was a little bit more about the politics, which is, frankly, I just think that's a tougher target to hit, especially when especially when you're making a movie that's so um, adrenaline fueled and yet so thoughtful, which I think naturally means you're you're sort of simultaneously appealing to two very different political groups. And to try to pull that off is really tough. Like, I think, especially when you're picking a political topic that's not so easy to boil down into something that everybody can agree with. For example, um, I, I'm t- it's Taylor Sheridan, right, is the, is the writer of this. Um, yeah. So when he did uh, Wind River, he takes the question of the treatment of Native Americans in the United States, and he basically deals with it in a way that everybody across the political spectrum can agree with. It's much harder to do that with Soldado. And so I think that's a big part of why people didn't love this as much as they should have. I think this was a great movie. It was insanely thrilling. I thought that it had a couple of great set pieces. I thought Benicio Del Toro was magnificent as usual. Um, But I thought that the real standout for this, I would, if I were giving an award, would be Best Supporting Actress, the little girl who plays the... um, the rich young Mexican girl who gets kidnapped was just was out of this world. So I, I thought this movie was fantastic and just suffered a little bit from comparison. I think that's where we're at. I think or that's where I'm at. If you look at this movie in a vacuum compared to some of the lower ones on my list, like this is definitely a better movie. So yeah, this, this will make it on the list. Uh, so number two is widows. Widows is a shocking, mm. shockingly uh, shut out from the Oscars this year because it's directed by the guy who did 12 Years a Slave, um, Steve McQueen. It's written by Gillian Flynn, and it stars a bunch of really big movie stars who people yeah. really love. Um, so it's, it's kind of shocking that Widows was not nominated for any Oscars. So I think a lot of people might have expected uh, Viola Davis to get a nomination for this movie. Um, I mean, she has a great reputation, and she was top billed in this movie. Like I think, I think she's the natural pick, but I think that that would actually have been a mistake because this film has an incredible cast, like incredible. The basic premise of this is that Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, um, oh, and damn. that. Yeah, and then the two other actresses whose names are, I don't think I know, um, but basically their husbands are all in a gang together, and their husbands all die right at the beginning of the movie while pulling off this job, and Viola Davis, her husband, leaves her instructions basically for how to secure her future if he's gone, and so these women try to pull off this heist because they need to, because the husband was in debt, and so that's like a pretty pulpy premise, but it asks a lot of questions about like what's going on in Chicago specifically, but just kind of what's going on in America's cities. 
and what's going on with women. It's it's really, I think, the, it, it looks at race and gender, but especially looks at gender. Like, it, it thinks about, um, you know, what it is to be a woman, and, and they talk about what people's expectations of them are. So the the women are get top billing in this movie, and they're fantastic, all of them. The beating heart of this movie is Daniel Kaluuya and Brian Tyree Henry. Brian Tyree Henry had the best year of basically anybody in movies. Um, he was in everything and was incredible in everything. The best part of this movie is Daniel Kaluuya. So Brian Tyree Henry and Daniel Kaluuya play. Brian Tyree Henry is the uh, is a local politician who I think is running for mayor or maybe he's just running for like alderman or something. Some some local Chicago political position and uh daniel kaluuya is his brother who is crooked and oh my god he is one of the best scenes i've i've maybe ever seen in a movie um just the way it's shot he is intimidating this guy and is about to kill him and you can tell he's about to kill him and the way that they circle around him as he's got this guy is just like nothing i've ever seen in a movie so I would be awarding this Best Supporting Actor to Daniel Kaluuya. This is a movie everybody should see. It's it's not going to be what you expect it to be based on how I've described it, but it's really <laughs> worth seeing. Uh, so that's one that I think also belongs. Last one, briefly, Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, mm. That was a terrific movie. It was clearly a Tarantino ripoff, but it was a good one. Um, really well plotted, and it. I now I got to figure out this woman's name because the woman in Bad Times at the El Royale was also in Widows and was really good. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, but it was this was good. I like this movie. Her name was Cynthia Erivo. Okay. Yeah, she was really good in both of those movies. But um, Bad Times at the El Royale. If you like Quentin Tarantino, go see this one. I remember seeing the trailer and just thinking like wow i can't wait to see that and i'm definitely going back for that one yeah it's very it's really worth it way too long but good (laughs) um all right so i think i'm gonna argue for soldado and widows uh to be on this list i would argue probably for um soldado to be a little bit higher so maybe my inclination would be that maybe those last two are the ones to pull off I think those two go. Uh, they were both kind of not run of the mill, but like pretty standard horror films that I had good, had positive viewing experiences with. But yeah, they could ultimately let's just let's let's not lose sight of the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis was great, even though we didn't see her boobs. No, we don't have to lose sight of that at all. Um, so I would I would argue Soldado maybe like in the five to seven range and widows like eight to ten somewhere in there so i'd leave up i'd leave slotting up to you i don't think we could put either higher than mid 90s i think like they would have to come after mid 90s okay uh which would be seven so what do you think about i think so soldado is probably a better movie than unsane yeah um, so let's go yeah let's go soldado seven unsane eight widows nine game night 10 yeah i like that a lot all right haas i feel like we may have a list of the 2019 18 i don't know how to name this uh topskers it seems like that is what we have done here so i think i'll rattle off the uh the 10 that we agreed to and then we'll get out on out of here and watch some more movies yeah i've got i've got a lot of homework from this 
I've got some homework for this, and I, I need to get caught up on my actual Oscars watching. I'm way behind, so. Yeah. All right. The 2018 Topscars, hosted by Kyle and Mike. Number 10, Game Night. Number 9, Widows. Number 8, Unsane. Number 7, Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado. Number 6, Mid-90s. Number 5, The Old Man and the Gun. Number 4, Sorry to Bother You. Number 3, Annihilation. Number 2, The Sisters Brothers. And number 1, Mission Impossible Fallout. Good year for movies. Damn right. Yeah, this was a weird and quietly good year for movies. Yeah. I just I think that like this tier of movies, like the just below Oscar worthy tier is like I think this is a stronger class of movies than we talked about last year at this time. I think you're right. I think that the the actual like Oscar contenders this year, there's only a couple that I think I'm going to remember remember like yeah. I think I'm going to remember, remember Black Panther, Black Klansman, Roma, and A Star is Born. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, this year, I haven't seen all those, but I agree with you on Black Panther and Black Klansman. I think, like, yeah. last year we had talked about Wind River being a serious contender for an Oscar nomination. Yeah. And, like, none of the other ones, really. I think a number of these movies should have legitimately been nominated, so... A good year for these the second tier movies so hopefully right. people people listening found something good to go back to heard that if all right you watch it when they're not watching the favorite in green book yes definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> all right um don't forget kevin mcleod put together our theme and not top three music and of course aaron sant put together our wonderful artwork it's great artwork, and if you want to see any of our stuff on the old internets, I would suggest checking out our Twitter, Top10KM. It's not a great Twitter, but it will be someday. If you want to check out our Instagram, which is a great Instagram, also Top10KM. All these are spelled out T-E-N. You can email us at Top10KM at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook group, Top10 with Kyle and Mike. Uh, and if you want to listen to us, as you already are, and you want to check us out on a different app, check us out on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever you get your, spot, whatever you get your podcasts. That would be my suggestion. I think it's a good suggestion. Yeah, I think so, my friend. All right, now let's get on out of here. Thanks, buddy. Peace.